Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello. So we're back to pick over the wreckage of a blank game week, but look good on first glance or in comparison to game week 31. Uh, but actually proved a, mi- a mixed bag for FPL managers. So the big news is that Nick is now a dad. Uh, little Moses, Mo in a uh, FPL winning year for uh, Mo Salah, <laughs> was born on Friday uh, to obviously delight a new dad in Nick. And the good news is mum and baby are doing very well and came home today. So obviously uh, our best wishes to all. So with Nick on paternity leave, we continue our tonal shifting as we swap an Irish pub and a shot of whiskey uh, in Stag uh, to a northern tavern and a, uh, a nice bitter in Alex Ball's soft Yorkshire brogue, uh, who's uh, stepped in today. Alex Waterbaby on Twitter. Um, Alex, of course, came on the pod back in January, and we're extremely thankful he's kindly agreed to step into Nick's shoes uh, just for today's pod. How are you doing, Alex? I'm very well, thank you. Been a bit of a uh, been a bit of a, a stressful time waking up at five thirty in the morning, but uh, but we're all here, we're all connected, so that's the main thing. So uh, to take on Nick's cue, this is who's got the assist. You can find us on Twitter at wgta underscore fbl and online at whogottheassist.com. Follow us, subscribe, and tell your mates about us if you like what you hear. Cheers for that, Alex. It's a great, uh, great Nick impression there. It's not just the two of us today, though. It's we're also joined by the editor of 90 Matt, 90 Minutes at a Time, who's also called Tom, which could definitely get confusing, but at least, Alex, easier for you. Uh, so, Tom, welcome. Great to have you on. Would you mind introducing yourself to the people? Uh, cheers for that, Tom, and a pleasure to be on the pod, guys. So, yeah, my name is Tom. I'm the founder and editor at 90 minutes at a time you can find us on twitter at 90 m underscore uh, so we are a premier league journalism site specializing in analysis features previews uh, match reports and also a little bit of fpl um so yeah obviously been a big fan of the pod for for a while and it's a real real pleasure to be to be with you this evening or this morning thanks tom uh, so Alex, what are we going to chat through today? So we've got a few things we need to go through. So we're going to be looking at the key discussion points. So transitioning teams from 35 to 37 and the tough decisions we're going to face as we do that and pick some key teams and players. 
Uh, we're going to continue the discussion on rotation and motivation. Certainly going to be hitting FBL teams quite hard, the uh, rotation coming up, I feel. Then we're going to do our features, including a two-minute speaker's corners about 90 minutes at a time from guest Tom and answering all your questions as usual. Thanks, Alex. And uh, thanks, guys, as always, for the questions. So, guys, it's time to talk about the blank game week first. Um, how was it for you? Uh, what approach did you take uh, to start off with, Tom? How, how was it for you? Uh, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty questionable game week, to be honest. I, uh, I'd i blown my, my free hit chip earlier in the season. Uh, so I was going into this this week with no free hit, also no wild card. So I managed to field eight, I hit 33, uh, minus four, so 29 net. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, I think it'd be fair to say it's uh, pretty disappointing. Ouch. I think, in, yeah, 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 ouch, indeed sort of a pretty good analogy or representation of my, my FPL campaign. It's just not really gone for me. And I think it was sort of epitomised last week. I know we're talking about this week, but, you know, hitting 33 uh, or net 29 is, is sort of the same as I played my, my triple captain cheek last week uh, on Deli Alley, who was then uh, benched in the second oh, half of the double oh, game week goodness. against Brighton. And that was sort of what I was clinging on to as the... Essentially, Ouch, again. yeah. <laughs> tell me about it. Tell me about it. So, uh, yeah, no, that was pretty cool. But uh, I think this week sort of followed suit. You know, goals for Barnes and Salah, clean sheet for Tompkins, and Obama Yang bagged an assistance cameo. So, yeah, twenty nine net. How about you guys? So, um, I finally had a, an okay week. I, I wild carded. I'd gone with a slightly different strategy where I was free hitting the week before that and the big double game week. So you're sort of thinking, oh yeah, free hit. Should be going okay. Well, yeah, I managed 56 points with oh, that. Face palms. I, oh, I had Sanchez captain. I had... It, you, it, basically, if you name a player that you thought going into it was going to do okay and then flopped, I had them. Literally had every single one. Uh, it was just an absolute killer week. I think the last time you, we were talking about it, Tom, the other day, the last time I came on was around Christmas and I was about... I think I was about 4K in the world. So, you know, everything was going swimmingly. You know, you sort of like, sweet, push on. Maybe this is the, maybe this is the, the you know, the top thousand finish. Yeah, well, I managed to, over the, the following seven or eight game weeks that we've had, plummet to about 90,000 in the world. So it's, it's almost a talent to be able to drop from four to 90K when you're trying to play this game. <laughs> I wildcarded last week and, and it was a last minute decision, actually. I literally decided on the Friday because uh, the Anfield Express news came out. And I had Firmino and I had Aubameyang and Wenger had said he was um, likely rested. So I thought, right, screw it. Um, Wildcarded and yeah, got up to about 65 points. So pretty, pretty good team. I was hanging out for a, uh, for a Newcastle clean sheet last yesterday. They had two of their defenders. So that, that would have been the icing on the cake. But other than that, it was a, it was a pretty good week. And I think I've crept back up to about 55k. How, how did, how about you, Tom? Did you have a, uh, uh, did you have a good week? Yeah, um, no, it was a bit disappointing actually. I got fifty-four, which is you know on paper okay. It was first, uh, the average was thirty, so twenty-four above. But obviously, it felt like a bit of a missed opportunity. Seeing I was on my free hit, and I saw people you know getting seventy plus. Uh, unfortunately, decisions you know like taking Balassi in for a bit of Monday night fun over on on out of it just didn't really work out. Uh, didn't buy in you know, a few players like uh, looking at Tomkins chose Bauer. My Man City defender in Walker as well didn't play shock benching there, so I lost out on six points basically. Um, and I think the kind of the icing on the cake was Jesus missing the penalty. This was my eighth penalty miss of the season, <laughs> and um, uh, Stag, um, uh, who was on last week, uh, very kindly calculated the number of missed penalties there have been, which is twenty-two. 
So I've had 36% of all missed penalties this season in my team. Statistically, that, that seems super unlucky. But, um, but yeah, uh, you know, what can I do as a laugh? But hey, so 54, I mean, I'm up to 230k, but it's quite a difficult season for me. Uh, Nick, on the other hand, I should probably say right now, contrasting fortunes, he had 79 points on his free hit, especially that Arsenal game. Uh, he had Monreal, he had Aubameyang. He had Lacazette and he had Anatovic. So all four players did something. He had them all um, and also got uh, Sterling and company out from the City game. So absolutely storming week for Nick, who has gone back into the top 10k. Uh, was that a free hit team that he was playing? Yeah, that was a free hit team. Uh, God. Uh, yeah, so it's left me being a bit of a Mardi bum and Nick being uh, absolutely jubilant and rightly he should be. So let's move on to the first kind of topic then. So, you know, 34 has happened, the double game week, 35 has happened as well, the blank for some, the wild card for you, Alex, and other people too. And a few people are now on the wild cards and we're looking to kind of transition our teams to 37, the next double game week. Uh, John O'Forward, for example, asks, what is the plan for 37? I think that's definitely worth talking about as the kind of the key point. I've had lots of questions about this as well you know who are the key men uh, Eric Klump has asked us about Mares. Richard Skeen asked us about uh, what we do with Salah Andy from FFS asked a lot of players FPL Hackney asked about Alonso and I think it's worth kind of looking at a few of the key players and the key teams and kind of thinking about how we're going to be getting them into our sides and maybe who we're going to be removing to make that work and I think a good starting point is City the rotation risk they've won the league now but Aguero injured and I think Jesus you know he underperformed hugely last week in terms of xg only scored one but he 1.58 some of that's to do with miss penalty i'm sure but if you watch the game kdb to to jesus was an absolutely fantastic combination he could have had three or four through that route what players are we looking at alex what do you think first in terms of city i think if we're going on an ideal world you're going to go jesus sterling and then one other i think this is you know like so for if, you, if you're on if you're on wildcard or this week that those would be the first two names down for me I think the third choice is probably the one that's a little bit trickier because you do start to hit rotation. And of course, with those two, you could Sterling could play up front. So Jesus could be rested. Um, Sane could come back in. So Sterling could be rested. I think you're just going to have to face facts that with any of these big teams, um, we're probably going to see some rotation. So you just got to take it on the chin. But those two, for me, especially with the Aguero injury, would be the first two down. So that final third slot, I mean, I I went uh, company as my third player on wildcard last week. If I was wildcarding this week, um, I don't think I would pick that up. I, I have concerns over the rotation at the, of the back four, but especially the, the centre-backs with having, uh, I think Stones is going to be back in the next week or so, and Pep's made comments about trying to get him fit for the World Cup. So my feeling is those four will rotate. So if I was going now, I think I would go with Jesus, Sterling, and then probably for just for value for money, I think I'd go Silver. Now, I, again, I expect him to be rotated, but um, I, I haven't checked um, Silver's stats. So I'm sure Tom's going to come in and, and help me out. I watched the game the other night, and he was at the centre of absolutely everything. He was just absolutely how how you know uh, he, he's still performing at such a high level after doing it for so long is beyond belief for me. I think he's just such a superb player. Uh, alongside the likes of KDB, of course. Um, but he's just that little bit more expensive. And I just thought Silver was in the box a lot more. So I don't know, Tom, I'm putting you on the spot now, but have you got any stats to back up uh, my, my Silver shout or is that uh, is that is he way off? 
certainly do. Um, so Silva and De Bruyne are a second uh, for a chance to create in the last six with 14. Um, and Silva has definitely, as you said, been getting in the box and taking shots from in the box more. The majority of his shots now are in the box versus KDB, who's taking a lot more long shots. Silva does seem to be kind of playing that 10, pushing forward into the box and being a real option for the pullbacks that City really like. And I think at 8.2, I think Silva is. Overlooks this a bit, and we're obviously we're a little bit worried about the uh, about the rotation. But it looks like his uh, his issues with his young son. Uh, there were a couple of pictures on uh, on Twitter the other day, looking absolutely fine and all good. And uh, it, it should probably be noted that Silva has actually started every game in the last seven. He's also more than likely to be a ninety-minute man, whereas Sterling's kind of a seventy-minute man. Uh, but I agree completely with uh, Jesus and agree completely with Sterling. I think Jesus, with how things are looking at the moment with Noah Aguero, he looked the focal point for that City team in a lot of ways. I mean, it shows with Jesus in the last kind of five games that he's he's appeared in, he's third for shots on target with seven. I think he does look pretty central to that team. It, it's interesting to think that Sane's won the, uh, the PFA Young Player of the Year, but he doesn't seem to be at the moment figuring on a lot of radars. And I think he could be an interesting differential there. Um, but Dilva too, it, yeah, seems to have the stats to back it up. And the defence, there's a lot of rotation risk, it seems, with all centre-backs seemingly fit. You know, Carl Walker, who I brought in as being a, a nailed-on player, rotates with Danilo. Uh, I'm a little bit worried about that. Maybe, you know, the goal-scoring goalkeeper Edison could be a, a way to go. Who knows? Tom, what are your views on City? For me, I, I really agree with what Alex was saying about Jesus. I think with Aguero out, he's, he's a dead set. I think it's hard to overlook David Silva. I think it's four goals and three assists in his, in his last seven um, home games against Huddersfield and Brighton in the double. It's pretty irresistible stuff. So I think... Jesus and, and David Silva probably would be be my two dead sets. I completely agree with what you're saying about how David Silva tends to be more of a, a 90 minute man, whereas Sterling is sort of thinking maybe 70, 65. I think with Sterling, the key thing is that, you know, I think he's going to be part of the furniture for many teams. I think at 9.0, he's had the most big chances of any player presented to him. And uh, yeah, I think he's just going to be part of the furniture, really, for for us FPL managers. I think that, you know, there's just three days between the two games for City. And there's a bit of a question here about whether we should have Triple City. Like, looking at those fixtures, absolutely. But the three-day factor and the risk we run with this team and with a lot of other teams is probably something which uh, has got to be on our mind, right, Tom? Yeah, there are, there are good other options coming up. I think Arsenal play Burnley and Leicester in 37, uh, obviously with the... The impending departure of one Arsene Wenger, we could be looking at some some big performances there. I think personally, I'll probably be going double. But I think David Silva and Jesus will, will definitely be two. I, I don't think you need the third. I think there are other options out there. I think I'd probably be maybe looking at triple Arsenal for 37. But I think personally for me, I'll be going double City. Well, I've got triple City. So I went company, um, Sterling and Jesus. I would have Triple City. I think I would change company. I wouldn't have company again. Um, I'd go Silver, Sterling, Jesus. And funnily enough, I'd had a quick flick at the team yesterday and I, and I realised that I can actually do company out and maybe Zaha out to bring Silver in and a cheap 4.2. So that's something I may do next week, but we'll, we'll decide that later on. But yeah, I, I would happily have Triple City. I think I will either company or if I decide to go and, and bring in three t- City attackers personally. 
Yeah, I guess company's going to play that um, the game where they're getting the title, getting the trophy at least. Um, but and it is a noted goal threat. But I'm not sure that uh, you're right. I think I'd be a bit worried about that, and I, I don't think I'm going to be bringing him in because of the injury record as well. I'm not sure we'll be able to play two games in, in three days. And I think kind of if we're transitioning towards that kind of uh, triple city and you know moving in players, and we're going to talk about Arsenal a little bit too. Um, I think some of the key players that people are looking to remove are those brought in for 34, look good for 34, but you know we're having a little bit of a worry about the moment and they are Riyad Mahrez and Willian. Um, I'm just wondering do either of you guys own these guys and uh, what are your plans for uh, plans for them? I'm, I own them both and I'm kind of uh, I'm not too sure but I think I've got one guy in mind who's probably going to be going for my team. Uh, Tom do you own either of them and are you going to be looking at that? I don't actually own either of them. Uh, I think in terms of Leicester coverage I've got got Vardy and, and Chelsea coverage I've got Hazard but but no I, I personally don't own either of them if I did what would I be doing um I mean look Willian's great value he's shown that all season I think I think I'd probably be looking at, at holding Willian I think Riyad Mahrez he's blown very hot and cold in in sort of recent weeks it really looked like after his uh his transfer requests oh you know everything that went on in January looked like he'd come back he was he was reinvigorated but I think I'd probably be staying clear of him. I think his 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 mind is already on uh, the the summer transfer window for me, and I think obviously that is going to be a factor in you know how well a player performs. So I, I think I'd be staying clear of Mares, but probably sticking with with Willian if I if I had him. Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I got actually got rid of both on on my wire card last week, J- just purely looking forward the the teams that were performing, um, players that I wanted to bring in. It, I couldn't fit them all in. Mares, I think I would stats don't look promising as they did a few weeks ago Williams uh, Williams one of those funny ones I mean he I remember those at West Ham and how he came away with only two points is beyond me I mean yeah, I he seemed like shot after shot and you know his stats for that game were phenomenal you know he, he there's no way he shouldn't have had a goal and that that is William down to a T and we've seen it over a few seasons now where he seems to be like he's the focal point and but nothing's happening for him. And then all of a sudden he'll get 19 points or he'll get 15 points. So with with William, um, and I think his stats are still looking pretty good, I, I think I would probably hold. <laughs> My voice went very high there because I'm like, I'm not really sure, <laughs> not the, sure. Best, the best answer for that was. So I'm going to pass on to you for that, Tom. Yeah, I mean, um, I've got them both, and I think that you're right. Like, Mares has, after he looked very good before the blank in 31, didn't he? Like, con- uh, returned in a couple of games. I mean, he has been looking like he's been close. So he looked fairly close in both the games in 34, hit the post. But he doesn't look very good in terms of the stats. So in terms of the underlying stats, the shots on target and chances created, he's fallen out of the top 10. On the other hand, Willian, is, um, he's in the top five for both of those kind of key indicators for me. He's uh, joint second for chances created with 14 chances and uh, he's also fourth uh, sorry joint yeah joint fourth uh, for attempts on target with seven at 7.1 that feels like a chance worth taking to me I mean they've got Swansea in 36 worth holding for and Liverpool and Huddersfield in the 37 double game week and Newcastle last so he's probably gonna be one I just keep hold of you're completely right that he kind of it's either feast or famine with him to some extent. Interestingly, he seems to share that characteristic with Eden Hazard a little bit. Like Eden Hazard is exactly the same, but he costs three million more. So it seems worth holding on to Willian, just hoping that you know eventually I strike gold. Hopefully on double game week, and hopefully there are people who are now selling him off. He did fall in price um, over the last few days, so maybe there are people who are going to be getting rid of him, and he'll and my faith will be rewarded. You're welcome, Tom. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> so, but I think um, so. I think kind of uh, yeah. For me, is is keep Willian, remove remove Mares, 
And then Arsenal players then, who are the other ones that I think people are, people might have had them for 35 for like a one-week jaunt. They've got Man, uh, Man United next, so it's really about that 37 double game week, which consists of Burnley and Leicester, which look two fantastic uh, fixtures. Um, I think Aubameyang is probably the one who's top of people's minds. Um, pretty much guaranteed game time and I think he'll be be being tooled up for next season and getting used to the rigour of the Premier League. Um, aside from Aubameyang, uh, what kinds of players uh, do, do we think that we're, we're going to be looking at? So yeah, I, I took a cheeky little punt on Lacazette in last week, which paid off quite nicely for me, um, but he will be leaving to go to, to Harry Kane this week. So that leaves me purely with um, uh, just Mustafi. Uh, in my wildcard squad for, for the, the next few weeks. I think I'm going to sort of take a little bit of a watching brief um, and see how they go in the Europa League. If they go through, then the rotation's a real concern. You know, we, we got a bit of a heads up, thankfully, that Aubameyang wasn't going to play. But I mean, before Fenger's comments last week, we all just assumed Aubameyang was nailed yeah, for the league. Was it like a, a fixture in everyone's free hit, wasn't it? Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, that that is a real concern. I, I've, I was all set to say something along the lines of if they go out of the, the Europa League, then I, th- I think we need to sort of look at getting some Arsenal players in. But they've got nothing to play for in the league. It, they can't catch the top four. So does that then, then do they actually start filtering to, in some kids or do they start building a team for next season? So, yeah, I don't know. I, I love Ramsey. His stats are phenomenal and he looks absolutely superb. And at that price, um, 6.8, I think he is, 6.9. Um, I, I just would absolutely love to have him in the double uh, as a double game week player, but I just don't know he's going to play. I mean, he's always been very injury prone, and you know, is is he going to play both games, especially around some some key Europa Cup ties? So I think for now, I'll be just seeing how they go against Atletico Madrid and and play from there. How about you, um, Tom? What are you up to? So yeah, Arsenal wise, I've had a Bamiyang for around sort of four game weeks now. I've had some nice returns. He scored or assisted in I think it's each of his last six games. He's looking great. Uh, I really like your suggestion of Ramsey there. I think obviously bagged. I think it was a goal, assist, and two bonus against West Ham at the weekend. And I definitely like the look of Ramsey. I like the look of a Bamiyang. And I think you now if you're talking about a, a double in in 37 of Burnley and Leicester, both have nothing to play for. Are they really going to be up for it? I think you know potentially. Could you look at if you don't if you don't go Ramsey? Could you look up look at tripling up on Arsenal and going double Arsenal defence? I can't really believe I'm saying that going double Arsenal defence, but I think right. yeah, 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 brave, brave. But um, I think that those are two great fixtures, Burnley and Leicester. They're two teams who have nothing to play for. Yes, Burnley are chasing Europa League qualification, but realistically, they're not. They're not playing for their their status or survival, rather, in the league. So I think I'll probably either, again, really can't believe I'm saying this, either going double Arsenal defence and Aubameyang or going, you know, Mustafi, Monreal and then Ramsey, Aubameyang. But yeah, what about you, Tom? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, Arsenal are definitely worth, like, in terms of the stats, that they are very good. They're leading the way for shots on target in the last six games and they've, got 30, they've had 36... Uh, 36 shots in the light, which is uh, two more than City, and they get a chance every six minutes. And that, that attack is looking pretty dynamic. The issue is who's going to be playing, who's going to be starting. I mean, you've got Nacho Monreal at the back, I think, he's probably worth mentioning here. Like, somehow seems to keep scoring. Uh, it seems a bit of a freak season for him. I think he's got six now. Um, but 
I think for me, it's looking like Aubameyang's probably the man. Uh, you've got Mesa Ozil who's showing up on the creative stats. Uh, but Aubameyang, I, I just I just think that he's going to be playing the games. And I think that for the, across those two games, you're going to see probably Welbeck and Lacazette um, moving in and out of each other. And it might well be that, you know, depending on how everything's going in the Europa League, that these guys might be rested. Or it might go the other way, actually, I think it comes to think of it, that he like wants to play the Europa League team during the during the uh, during the league. But I guess kind of they're more they're more kind of for next week to worry about. Um, I kind of wish I had a you know, maybe they are just kind of secret pretty visitors that come in for 35, aren't in for 36, and then maybe come back in 37. I, I just don't know. Mm. Uh, but I think Aubameyang has to has to have a stake in, in a lot of teams. The problem is, is the price. And if you've got kind of Kane and Jesus, who we're talking about this a little bit later on, um, with one of the listeners' questions. But if you've got Kane and Jesus there, I think it's a little bit expensive to be dealing with Aubameyang. I mean, uh, dare I say it, could we be looking at someone like Danny Welbeck at 7.3 to shim one in? Um, <laughs> I mean, you mentioned Ramsey as well. I think kind of the, the, the final kind of big teams to talk about before we move on to rotation and motivation and maybe talk about some of the teams down the bottom as part of that um, is Spurs. So, I mean, it's an interesting uh, time for people who don't have Harry Kane. I've got Kane. I feel like I'm kind of locked into to owning him now. But Kane has completely fallen off the uh, the shot stats, which is you know, unprecedented almost for Harry Kane. In the last six, he's not even showing up in the top ten. Which is, uh, yeah, that was pr- pretty uh, pretty off-putting for me as a uh, as a potential captain of this weekend. Somebody who is looking at uh, Harry Kane for that uh, Newcastle and West Brom uh, double game week in thirty-seven. Uh, Christian Eriksen, I think, is kind of hanging around, and also uh, you've got your man uh, Deli Ali Tom. Uh, and at the back, I guess, he who must not be named. Yeah, you've got Vertonghen and Ben Davis at the back. I mean, are there any of these players that we're looking at bringing in and who are we getting rid of for these guys? So, yeah, I think uh, Spurs are an interesting one. I mean, they're ones that, you know, they've, they're, they're out of the FA Cup. They're out of the Champions League. They're pretty much nailed onto a top four spot. I think they'll be wanting to get a few more points um, just to make sure. I think Kane and his golden boot. Um, so I think, um, I think, Kane, uh, Kane and Spurs are an interesting team. I mean, they, they've got good fixtures till the end of the season. They're out of Champions League. They're out of the FA Cup. They're pretty much nailed for a top four spot. So what is their motivation? I think Kane Kane definitely wants this golden boot. But, you know, it's pretty widely documented that he hasn't looked 100% fit. And his his uh, his shooting stats out of the top 10, which, as you just said, Tom, is, is unheard of. You know, we're used to him being up right up there he's still over 30 percent owned and he's still this is this is the thing that's really interesting i had a quick look around um just before at the uh, at the uh, captain's polls for this week and he's leading all of them so despite his poor form people are looking at making him the the captain this week which you know um assuming Mohamed salah starts um i i find it an interesting one because you've got a form player with a good fixture in in Salah, but Kane is a lot of people are still going to Kane. So a lot of it for me is the fear fact with him leading all those polls this week. I'm not sure whether I'll captain him myself, but there's no way I'm going without Kane. Other other players, I think Ali and Eriksson look uh, look good options. Um, again, their stats back that up. But but the issue for them, of course, is how are you fitting two quite pricey players in alongside, assuming as we discussed earlier, your city mids. So I, I think we've got to make some difficult decisions. I actually went without any Spurs midfielders on my wild card. I did bring in Jan Vertonghen um, just purely because of their, their nice fixtures towards the end. But 
they haven't had a clean sheet for me is, is also a concern you know that, that, that they're not keeping clean sheets anymore as a Vatongan owner, I just brought him in assuming that there would be clean sheets galore. Um, but unfortunately, it just doesn't seem to be seem to be happening. Uh, so, Tom, you've got Deli Ali. Um, I assume you don't have Kane. What are you going to do there? I, I vaguely remember that you've got some sort of thinking around Kane and potentially avoiding him for the rest of the season, right? That's actually right, mate. Yeah. So I have decided to to, to stick with my man Deli, um, even though. Even though he decided to to do me a huge favour in that double game week, uh, so yeah, I've decided. Look, when when you're chasing, you've just got to chase. And I, I'm going without Kane. Uh, I'm keeping that bit of Spurs attacking coverage with Ali, um, which look, I'm a, I'm a huge Deli Ali fan. Even if he did get benched against Brighton in the second part of that double game week, but I think you know he is sort of going to act as my my you know attacking representative from Spurs. Look, Spurs have got nice fixtures in their last four. I mean, certainly if I was on a wild card or certainly if I was, you know, I've made my transfers for, for next week. But I, I would look, I'd be looking at getting in some Spurs defence. OK, thanks for that, guys. Let's take a break there. And then after that, we'll talk about kind of rotation and motivation. That especially seems to cover the teams on the beach and those in the bottom half of the Premier League. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Okay, we're back. Welcome back to uh, Who's Got the Assist? So we're now going to look at a little bit of rotation and motivation. And we're going to start with a certain Mo Salah um, and his team, Liverpool. They're, from a fancy point of view, they're a bit of a tricky one because we don't have a double game for them. But we do have, barring the Chelsea game, falls obviously in the double game week. So there is a fair bit of talk about getting rid of him for that game week because of the, the, the money he's tying up. The motivation for, for him and for his team. So they're obviously still pushing for um, to finish as high as they can in the league issue you've got is double game week coming up Salah plays Chelsea away now I did a little bit of research into when he's played the top four teams already through this season and it worries me to get rid of him after looking into that so Arsenal he got 11 points Man United both times he only got a three and a two the other Arsenal game he got 10 points Tottenham he got seven points and 15 points Chelsea he got seven points And, and I mean we've seen against City, when they play both in the Champions League and in the Premier League, they they do not worry about coming up against the top team. They know how to deal with them. So I, I think Salah is equally as likely to score against uh, a team like Chelsea as he is other teams. Maybe he's not going to score as highly, but I don't think I'll be getting rid of him. Um, the main reason I don't I won't get rid of him is because of the value I've got tied up in him. It, it's not as big as a lot of people. I did sell him earlier in the season and then get him back. But if I sell him, I've got to make up. Um, 0.6 to get him back in again and after wild carding and tying my money up in various places there's no way I can do that so just just a a warning to people if they're going to sell make sure you you can't you're not going to be buying him back for the same price you the chances are you're going to be buying him back for more so it's really important that you know that once you've sold him you've got the money freed up to be able to buy him back again if you're going to want him back for the last game of the season which Salah seems to be pushing for this golden boot so I I I think uh, we're going to want him I think he's going to be a a captain pole for that last game yeah exactly I don't know what you're looking for if you're getting rid of Salah it feels a bit at the moment that he's a bit of a season keeper and as you said if you do have him in at 10 point something then perhaps there's more kind of leeway to make the swap 
Um, for me, I've got you know a 9.1 player who's now up to 9.9. If I get rid of him and get him back in, um, it's going to be very, very difficult to, to find that extra money to make make use of him. And uh, the stats for Salah just are absolutely ridiculous. The last six, he wins on a lot of key measures like pen box touches, uh, total shots, shots on target. And he's just behind uh, Raheem Sterling for a big chances total of six. So Sterling's had seven. Salah feels to me like one of those players you just kind of just leave there. It doesn't matter that it's Chelsea, as you said. Like he can play against the big teams. It doesn't matter that you know for thirty six there may be a bit of a rotation risk for Stoke. I mean, he played the last game against West Brom. You've got to be hoping that you know if you own him, he's going to be smashing it this week. And I think he'll be the default captain pick for a lot of people this week. Uh, I think this is probably one week where people who sold Salah in thirty four are going to be really uh, hiding behind the sofa, so to speak. What do you think, Tom, on Solara? I mean, for me, he's undroppable, mate. He has been one of the few shining lights in my very unshiny FPL season. I think that he's, he's just proven that he he's, he's going to score against whoever. I liked Alex's little stats about how, you know, he's, he's taken the top teams to town and, you know, with the exceptions of a couple of blanks against the, the notoriously defensive Manchester United, I think, you know, he... he yeah, he, he performs, I think. You know, I actually had Salah from game week one um, and then Mkhitaryan was just tearing it up. So I, I decided to ditch him. And I obviously very quickly reverted on that decision within a yeah, few weeks. Same but, with yeah, 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 exactly. Perhaps what has impressed me most, it just increases his sort of status as being undroppable. Is It's the occasion, both. It, it doesn't phase him, but he doesn't, you know, if he's playing... With all due respect, Huddersfield away or whatever, you know, perhaps a typically smaller team. He, he just he rises to the task, and I think that's why he's bagged thirty-one goals this year. So he'll be staying in my team. Yeah, definitely all eyes on the Anfield Express, which seems the most ridiculous in the no account ever. I've got no idea how they're allowed to continue uh, putting out a Liverpool lineup so early. But uh, absolutely invaluable resource for all FPL managers right now. Indeed, um, indeed. So moving on to kind of uh, the, the idea of teams on the beach. And uh, teams who are fighting for motivation somewhat. We have this every year. Um, Justin Dye asked us who the standout performers are for the relegated teams. And uh, some guy called Nick um, asked us uh, about Leicester and whether they're on the beach. I think an interesting one, and this is definitely worth kind of mentioning, uh, the archetype for the team on the beach is West Brom last year. So if you remember in uh, game week 29, they beat Arsenal 3-1, which left them mathematically safe. Um, after that, they failed to score for five game weeks and failed to win any of their last nine matches, which is a negative trend which continued into the season. Obviously, it may have been kind of part of the malaise which they're over the club. But uh, I think that's emblematic of the fact that if teams get on the beach or teams that mentally just start to think, you know what, season's over, mine's on next season, mine's on the move in the summer, mine's perhaps on the World Cup, which could be a motivating factor, um, we are going to see some kind of in different performances from this sort of team. And Leicester, as, as Nick bring up, and Everton, as Stag mentioned on the last pod, are two teams which are a bit of a parallel. So Leicester, um, they've got no wins in the last four. Uh, their last chance of a good season was lost um, because they can't get into a UEL place now, having lost, I think, Burnley. And it's the same with Everton, having won the game last, uh, last night. And the Newcastle as well, um, who lost the game last night, also on 41 points. If you look at the table, um, I think that, you know, you've got West Brom, Stoke and Southampton in the, in the bottom kind of three. Swansea, Huddersfield, West Ham, Crystal Palace between 14th and 16th from 35 points. So I think they'll kind of still be looking over their shoulder. Bryson in 13th from 36. And above that, you've got kind of Watford and Bournemouth, who I think on 38 points with three games to play are looking relatively safe. You've got a myriad of options there. 
I think it's interesting to kind of just talk about how we're going to be approaching those guys and whether we're going to, and we spoke about Mares and we all kind of think that he's probably a candidate for removal. What about other characters in this, in this kind of setup and, and what are the reasons, what are the motivations we seem to think about these? So, you know, for example, Swansea, um, I've heard a lot of information about them and a lot of people saying, you know, I'm getting Jordan Ayew in. Um, I, I wouldn't be too sure about uh, bringing in the Swansea attacker right now. Um, they're bottom, for example, uh, for attempts in the last six games uh, with 31, uh, which is 15 below Southampton and they're bottom for shots on target in the last six games of just nine uh, which is absolutely preposterous really really poor return from the from the strikers so you know motivation may may be on one hand um but on the other hand you've got to look at those stats and kind of be a bit worried right uh, what do you think alex about this kind of question yeah it's, a, it's an interesting one and actually <clears throat> i did a bit of a comparison between vardy and ayu so the two strikers you just talked about um and for Ayu's numbers are not actually as bad as uh, as bad as I thought they were going to be. So Vardy's expected goal is 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 absolutely superb. You know he's he's right up there as a player that's going to be doing um, um, getting you a goal a game basically something like that. Yeah, getting you a goal a game off one chance. Uh, he's a bit of my uh, he's probably my favourite worst nightmare because I he, I didn't bring him in on my um, on my wild card, but the player I did bring in was was Ayu. Purely because of the fact that I do think, having seen some comments from Carlos Carvajal, who's my favourite manager as a as a Wednesday uh, as a Wednesday <laughs> fan, he went over to Swansea. Yeah. Um, they're gonna they're gonna be going all out to get the wins they need. Now, their stats aren't great, but the key thing to be thinking about is you're not comparing apples with apples when you're looking at Vardy and Ayu because Vardy costs eight point nine and Ayu costs five point three. So for me, it was a case of all right, well, where do I want to divvy up that money? So I've gone. Um, Kane, who I said I'm going to be getting in for Lacazette this week, I've got Jesus already. And then I could have got Vardy as the third striker, um, but I'm a bit of a Mardi bum and I decided, no, I'm going to spend my money uh, in the midfield, which allowed me, or left me with quite a limited amount of money to spend. So I've gone for Ayu just purely because of his price. Now, I think he's going to get a goal or two, maybe three, before the end of the season. Now, say Vardy gets four goals before the end of the season so gets maybe one or two goals more than um more than i use i think the the value saved in that um you know the 5.3 to 8.9 that's a lot of money that i can then spend in midfield and and allowed me to get an arsenal defender so that's the way i look at someone a team like swansea stats wise they might not be the best but their their players are cheap and you know they've got two good fixtures and they've got the motivation to try and stay up so so for me i'm i'm uh, i'm going to be maxing out on uh, on swansea i don't have any leicester players like i said vardy worries me but he's about the only one they can't keep clean sheets at the minute except uh, they kept one against southampton um, but other than that they've not kept clean sheets they do have a couple of cheap players but yeah in defense but i think yeah unless you're going vardy um, that's the only one I'd be looking at for Leicester. How are you thinking about it, Tom? So, yeah, I think obviously there are some teams who are are quite clearly on the beach. I think, as you were just saying there, Tom, Bournemouth and Watford, they look pretty safe. They're not in any cups. They are, you know, they're, 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 they're showing the emotions, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I, think, I think, you know, they're, they're booking their summer holidays. They're, they're sorting out their tans, I think. I think, I think, <laughs> look, I think... I think for me, Bournemouth and Watford, I'd stay very clear of. I think, you know, so what? Southampton are currently currently four off. You know, West Ham and Palace are not safe. I think, you know, we'll find out a lot in Southampton's next fixture as to the, you know, how the relegation picture looks 
looks, you know, overall. But I think for me, Palace and West Ham, they're not safe, but I think they probably think they are. Hodgson and Moyes probably know that they're, they're okay. They haven't got a huge amount to play for. If I was picking any of that sort of bottom, I don't know you say bottom eight, that I would be looking at, I think Huddersfield, they are so near to, to ensuring survival. And surely there's going to be, I mean, I, I had Alex Pritchard and Mounier for you know a couple of weeks, uh, seeing if the Huddersfield double would do me any favours. Obviously, Huddersfield don't score a huge number of goals. But I mean, Huddersfield potentially one to look at. But I mean, yeah, Tom, what about you? No, I wouldn't touch Huddersfield with barge pole. I mean, they've got everything at home, right? But then the double game week is Man City and Chelsea both away, and they they end the season at Arsenal at home. Um, I'm not too, I'm not too sure about uh, about that. And it's the same kind of for Brighton as well, um, who are above Crystal Palace and West Ham in thirteenth. I mean, I, I sold Glenn Murray this week and actually kept Charlie Austin uh, for, for Southampton with that Bournemouth game kind of in mind. Uh, Brighton, they've got Burnley, but then they've got Man United, Man City and Liverpool's last game of the season. We're, we're all expecting, as we said earlier, a, a massive thrashing in game week 38 for sure. Um, unfortunately, I'm stuck with Lewis Dunk uh, from Brighton, uh, so that's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I simply run out of transfers to, to make that happen. I'm stuck with uh, Charlie Austin now, hoping he misses the penalty for me as well. Christ knows. But I, I think that there's maybe some motivation they're still amongst our pants and they're still kind of four points off and hopefully they'll, they'll do something but you know, the double game weakness I think is something worth bearing in mind so the the last bit of motivation I was thinking about would be West Ham um, they've got um, some very indifferent fixtures it's fair to say they uh, they play Man City at home this week uh, then they've got a double game week of Leicester away Man United home and they finish the season with um, with Everton at home now they are there's six points uh, um, clear of the relegation zone. So for me, that suggests they are not going to be wanting to. Um, they're not going to be wanting to take their foot off the gas until they are mathematically safe. So that brings two players to the fore for me. Um, Arnautovic, who has always got motivation uh, to play, he always wants to score goals, and he's been doing that superbly. So his last um, his last um, four games, he's got. Um, 16 points against Southampton. He got an assist, so five points against Chelsea. Didn't do anything against Stoke, but really should have had two goals in that game. Very oh, lucky save. I've got no and, idea uh, scoring that game. I know. It was absolutely ridiculous. And then just scored against Arsenal. So he, he's playing up front as a midfielder. So he's got bonus points from that. He's a difficult one. Do you bring him in with the fixtures that are coming up? If you've got him, obviously you're, you're holding him and you're not going to get rid of him. Um, personally, I, th- I think... If you've got a space around seven million, I, I think he's definitely an option that I'd be looking at for the double game weeks. Um, I think if you don't and you can afford the city mids, um, you're, you're probably going to go to to that. Last point on West Ham, uh, Masuaku is down to four point two after his uh, his little spitting indiscretion a while ago. He's returned from his ban and his stats are very very good. He's uh, he's been putting in a lot of crosses. Um, I would, I would definitely be interested in uh, in in him if you need a double game with player around that four point two spot. Um, they're not particularly good to, um, from a statistical point of view at, at keeping clean sheets, though. I'm not surprised. moving on. Newcastle have got a really mean defence, and you know there's quite a few options. There. You've got Yedlin, you've got Lejeune, and you've got uh, Dummett. Dum- oh, I aren't they? Um, they've got, they had a like, ridiculously mean defence. Um, I picked them out for they've only conceded seven shots on target in the last six game weeks. 
which is ridiculous. That, that's absolutely insane. The only thing is that I think that that may that may change a bit now that they're safe. Um, I think that maybe that was something which, uh, you know, some momentum had been built by uh, by, by the imperative to stay up, and I, I'm a bit worried about that. They've got uh, Kennedy as a as a cheap fifth enabler as well at, at four point eight and uh, in midfield, and also um, Perez has had a bit of form. Yeah. Um, I know he didn't look particularly good last week, but I, I did notice that his his stats suggest that he should be scoring a few more goals than he is. So Perez could be a, another sneaky option in that five point three uh, final striker spot as well. Yeah, and they've got West Brom this week, so that could be one uh, worth bringing in. I think he was definitely on my mind. The issue is that, as you said, the stats look quite good. The issue is that a lot of his shots are off target. Um, so, you know, he's, he's definitely have, having a go. It's just that in terms of his actual shots on target, he's overperforming. So he's uh, he seems to be converting at a pretty high rate, especially given the fact that Newcastle, uh, their offence doesn't seem to be that great. And I think the final thing to say, Salah's just scored. He's playing Stoke next week and Stoke are looking uh, pretty doomed. They've conceded 42 shots on target in the last six games, which is uh, the top, yeah, the top by a considerable margin. Salah playing them next week could be an absolute cricket store. Okay, um, let's take a break there and move on to the features. Welcome back and we're going to move on to our features section. Um, I'm just having a quick look at the anti-meta team and how it's done over the last couple of weeks. So game week 34, which was the uh, the double game week, um, they actually did uh, they actually did rather well. I'd, I'd certainly have taken this this score. They got 80 points with a hazard cap uh, captain, uh, Giroud chipping in quite nicely with 14 and Wood with 11. So, oh, and Iscariado with, uh, with, a, with a handy 12 points. Um, the wild card was wielded for this week. So game week 35. Um, and unfortunately, it wasn't quite so good. I'm no. Tom's just informed that he tried to keep the uh, the ownerships down below 5%. So that obviously has restricted which players could be brought in. And with Ozil not showing up, uh, a Welbeck captain with four, it was only the defensive pairing of company and Edison with six points apiece that really brought anything in. So uh, onwards and upwards for the anti-meta team. It's not been a great week for them. Yeah, for sure. And uh, one man who uh, made it into my free hit team and also made it into the anti-metas, obviously he's a mainstay there, is Alan Yom. A mainstay, a mainstay, dear me, a mainstay there is Alan Yom. And I think um, it's time to do a quick Yom watch because he did play this weekend. Uh, so Alan Yom uh, was spotted playing football against Liverpool uh, in the blank game week. He had 66 touches, 28 in the opposition's half. He made 41 passes, 35 were successful. For you statos out there, that's 85%. He made one cross. Sadly, it was unsuccessful. Despair. He was mentioned in dispatches thusly. In the fourth minute, there was excellent awareness at the back post as Nyom hooked behind Milner's cross from deep. Also, Alan did try an audacious lob from his own area in the 35th minute, which was not reported for some reason on WBA's website. But if you see him furtively buying special brew at the local offie or demolishing a pack of Cheetos on the park bench, please let us know. Thank you very much for everybody who did hashtag Neonwatch this week. Um, moving on then to the market forces. Uh, this is our section um, and it's normally Nick's section. So uh, bear with me a little bit here uh, where we look at the key movers and shakers in the FBL transfer market and try to describe some of the key trends in the market to you. At the top of the transfer market at the moment is, is Harry Kane. Um, Harry Kane's been bought in by 55,000 managers, maybe echoing the, uh, the rush to captain him. Seems quite interesting, the fact that you know his stats don't really tally up, but I think you're right um, in what you, you guys are saying earlier about the fear factor there with, with, with Harry. 
probably the man who's taken the fall for that is Aubameyang. Aubameyang's been sold by almost 40,000 managers. And uh, Firmino, too, has been sold by 18,000. And uh, maybe there's an element of changing of the guard there, actually, because alongside Kane, uh, Gabriel Jesus has been brought in by 40,000 managers and, of course, rose last night. Uh, Firmino is a particularly interesting one uh, because Firmino rose twice before last game week and obviously didn't play. Um, so I, I think there may be some people who brought him in, had a blank from him and got rid of him straight away, which is, which is probably a very kind of, uh, yeah, a very dodgy decision there. So I think um, I think the key thing for that is that with, with Kane's fixtures coming up and he's going to be a, uh, a massive captain pick through the double game weekend for the rest of the season. Uh, and people are still obviously looking at him for triple captain. It doesn't surprise me at all. No, I, I'm, not, I'm not surprised either. And, and, and linked to that, you've got some defenders who are showing up on the NTIs for, for sales. Uh, so you've got Alonso, who's obviously banned at the moment, um, sold by 41,000. Otamendi seeing sales as well of 12,000. And uh, yeah, uh, being brought in, we've got Azpilicueta, uh, who's got almost 10,000 buys, and Smalling, uh, who's probably the key man there, 21,000 uh, buys in. I think kind of the, the final kind of two to mention are Mares and Sane. Um, so Mares has been sold by 22,000 people. And Sane's been sold by 10,000. And in his place, in their place, I should say, you know, it kind of reflects our discussion earlier on. Willian is not showing up on the sales despite falling. And um, we've got uh, Raheem Sterling brought in by 41,000. And uh, Ericsson, who's been brought in by 21,000 at, at the time of recording. Uh, what do you think about those, those midfielder trends, Tom? Do you reckon those, uh, those are viable? And do you think we'll see those continue? I think the more and more you move towards towards double thirty seven, I think you're just you're going to see people. Whether that's trying to bring in Obama Yang, whether that's people trying to bring in Kane, whether that is people trying to bring in bring in these 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 high hitting strikers who do have natural or naturally big price tags to go with it. I think I think this is probably going to continue up until thirty seven, uh, and then all dependent on what happens there with regards to the likes of Kane, the likes of Obama Yang, and how they perform. Um, I think obviously you know after that we've only got one one game week left, but but no, I, I certainly see it continuing certainly up until up until thirty seven. That kind of rounds off uh, market forces for now. And we've got one final bit this week in the features, which is obviously we've got Tom on. Uh, Tom's from uh, his own website, Nine Minutes at the Time. He's an editor there, and I think it's interesting to just just kind of have a couple of minutes speaking about that, Tom, and the experience you've had building that website and what it's been like for you, especially being you know a student. Over to you. Nice one. Well, again, really can't thank you enough for, for having me on. So a little bit about sort of a little bit about me and the, the project that I'm here sort of representing. I'm the founder and editor of 90 Minutes at a Time. So heavily procrastinate, procrastinating over some geography exams in my second year of uni. I started up a blog called 90 Minutes at a Time. It was just me. Uh, it was good fun. I just wrote some sort of feature type pieces on on Premier League football, some sort of manager pieces player features whatever um and i thought it was cool i liked it but i wanted to see if anyone else fancied doing it with me so i reached out to three close friends uh two of whom i was at university with one of whom i've known uh from sort of my, my secondary school days and the the four of us together sort of started writing about some some premier league football it was fantastic we were sort of just writing anything we we could anything we wanted to it was all under the the 90 minutes at a time 90 mat name and I think from you know the last twelve months it has been a bit crazy. We um you know sort of through gradual expansion we're now up to over fifty writers spread across uh, three continents: North America, Europe, and Asia. We have twenty Premier League team correspondents for each team. We have analysis sub teams, feature sub teams. Uh, have a breadth of contributors from the FPL community on Twitter, uh, and it's it's been absolutely been mad really. Um, we are part of the News Now Publishers Network, which means 
uh, presently we're sort of hitting traffic of about you know it's about over 10,000 readers a month it's been fantastic very much a team effort we've got a fantastic group of you know group of lads scarily enough it's sort of reached a point where we're having people express interest in investing and that is something that's currently going on at the moment don't want to say too much on that but um through all of this through all of the developments and the, the, the progression that we have collectively made i think what underpins it all is we all just love writing about football we are a premier league exclusive site that's that's all we cover obviously that aligns quite strongly with fpl so we have we've had the likes of fpl fly fpl guidance barrack 88 uh Varaness. so yeah just you know people with a with an opinion on fantasy premier league who've wanted to get themselves out there and i think what we found is a lot of people are happy to write. You know, a lot of people want to get their work out there. All they want is a platform. So, yeah, honestly, it has been, it's been a fantastic 12 months. And I think coming on a podcast like Who Got the Assist, talking about 90 Matt, which I just started as my blog, um, is, is fantastic. You know, I want to pay massive credit to the team that have got us here. Uh, that's our sub-editorial team and our, you know, 50-strong writing team. I think for me, football journalism is what I want to pursue. So I'm going to try... You know, as much as I can to get 90 mat to a point of, of sort of full-time income, but we'll have to see. Uh, but no, it's absolute pleasure to be on the pod and thank you once again. Yeah, no worries. It's actually our first year as well. And I think a lot of people tend to forget that, uh, assume like we're part of the furniture. But yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's great to have you on. It's really cool to, um, you know, see the progress over the course of the year um, that you've had. So yeah, um, I can only hope that continues um, going forward. And it sounds like it's, uh, it's going very well. So that's great to hear. Fantastic. Okay. Let's take a break there and we'll uh, move on to community sessions. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and I'm uh, taking over Nick's mantle quickly to do the uh, Who Got the Assist mini league catch up. Uh, top of the league is Jamal Rice. Uh, go, go, Jamal. 62 points with a minus four. Um, didn't take, uh, didn't use any chips this week. Uh, got a bit unlucky with Sane not playing. But yeah, quite a good week overall for Jamal. We had Monreal with a goal, Hennessy with 10 points, and uh, Jesus captain. Uh, He's now nine points ahead of uh, Demir Tane La La Land, uh, who's back in uh, back in the top two after a, a free hit, which was fairly successful. Sixty-seven points, uh, notable for a twelve points from Ramsey and a little punt on Welbeck as well. Uh, very very well done there, mate. Um, in third, Simon Rutherford, uh, heroes and villains. Um, Took the week on the chin, it seems a little bit. 44 points with a minus eight as well. And a uh, new entry, actually. It's Brent Wild with Mad Dogs. Uh, 79 points with a free hit. Sterling captaincy, very well done. And in fifth, it's uh, Cruise Control, Stevie Sunshine. Uh, 77, I think he's been in the top five for quite a long time now. Uh, the, the 77 points is built off a Slar captaincy. An astute David Silva, Sterling and Jesus triple up. And Lacazette performing very well for him. So well done, guys, in the top five. Uh, it'll be close to uh, between Demir and uh, Jamal here. Uh, just just nine points between the two of you. Can Demir uh, reclaim his uh, his top uh, top of the mini league status? He's now forty eighth in the world versus Jamal, um, who's right up there at the lofty heights of twenty sixth. Moving on to the questions then, we had a lot this week and uh, as usual, thanks very much. Uh, the first question is about hits. Guna Weave starts us off, he says, you know, you've got three game weeks left, three transfers are a lot more precious. Uh, do we stick or twist this week with hits? And Joe Prenter also asks, you know, what's a good return for a points hit, do we think? So So in terms of hits then, guys... And you've got, what, three free transfers left? What's your approach to them now? Is it hell for leather just going for it? Or are you still trying to conserve those points? And I think, um, Alex, let's come to you first on that. Uh, a lot of it depends on your position. Um, I think if you're 
sort of leading your mini leagues and things, you've got to be a lot more conservative. Maybe a minus four for a double game week, a minus eight if you're really pushing it. But if you're if you're a bit further down and you don't mind, um, you know, risking it to to mix your team up a little bit, and you you're going for players with higher ceilings, so you get more chance of repaying that, or someone that you're likely to captain, then I, I think it's still worth doing. But just be wary; you've got less weeks to, for those hits to repay now, you know. So you, you've got to be sure it's a, a right move, uh, the right move to do. Like Alex was just saying, there, you've only got sort of three, four weeks left for your for your hits to sort of pay off. So I think personally, again, my my rank is 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 too low to even be talking as if these are sort of competitively orientated decisions. But um, I think I personally won't be taking any hits. I think, especially with the with the double coming up, um, you could potentially justify taking a hit into thirty seven, heading into thirty seven because because of the double game week, but. I think personally, there's just not enough time left to to pay him back, and I'd, I'd imagine the majority of people with so few weeks left will not be be taking hits. But I think that I mean the guy that you just said there taking a minus twelve and hitting a net gain of twenty one. If you're able to, <laughs> if you're able to do that, then crack on. But I mean personally, I don't think I will be daring to head in that direction. Yeah, I think I'm kind of the opposite actually. It feels like you're kind of a cautious player stuck in a stuck a negative spiral there a bit. Tom. Perhaps, perhaps. Yeah, um, I think uh, Nick was having a similar issue last year actually, where he's he's kind of quite naturally fairly cautious, but was stuck in a kind of a low down position. And by the end, was beginning to take a few hits to try to make things better. I think he ended up in top 100k from being 400k or something like that. And um, I find myself in similar position. 230k and in terms of my mini league I missed Walker Porter as well asked about mini leagues and whether you know how much of a hit you're going to take to try to kind of make that difference yeah as Alex said you know you, you you're running out of time for these things to repay there's got to be that instant payback almost um but to some extent and we're running out of time to watch and wait on these players and it's almost the case that at the end of the season you're going to remember that oh ah, that, that's the bit you're going to remember not whether you were worried about getting Jesus in the minus four in game week 36 so I, I think it might be a time to take chances and maybe that's just me as an actual chance taker um, but uh, yeah I, it's definitely a time for me uh, at least uh, to to be to be gambling, uh, I think ahead of kind of thirty seven, um, a minus eight is definitely on the table for me. I mean, I've got Charlie Austin as the third striker. I, I could upgrade him. I you know I could do a lot of things. It's just the case of whatever suits your what suits your situation best, almost. Um, but there is a an argument here um, to, to really go for. I mean, there's obviously the conservative side, as you said, like those points keeping them in the bank sort of thing but it's almost like you, you've got to you, you've got to speculate to accumulate almost and i think that's kind of almost the the way i'm going our next question is uh well we're looking at strikers really so the three horsemen of striker doom and hindu monkey are looking at kaku versus uh Aubameyang versus jesus and um, bali asks is it wise to keep three strikers up top fpl fpl booster and richard skeen ask for the best three strikers for the run-in in a three-four-three situation. Um, so we'll go to uh, we'll go to you, Tom. What, what are your thoughts on strikers for the run-in? Strikers for the run-in. That is uh, that's great. I think I, as Tom alluded to earlier, uh, I, I'm going to be going without Kane. Um, so in that sense, Obama Yang is 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 a, is a definite for me. Obviously, the the main factor in deciding all of this, all of your your front three is, are you going with Kane or are you going without him? I'm obviously speaking from a, a, a non-Kane owner perspective. I would be, I, I think I'd be inclined to go to something like Barnes, Aubameyang, Jesus. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, Ashley Barnes was good for 34. I don't think he's good for 37 because he doesn't have a double game week, unfortunately. Um, that's probably one of the key issues there. I mean, especially if you've got bench boost, you're not going to be looking at Ashley Barnes. I mean, if you do, you know, you're stuck in a certain kind of a certain kind of setup, I think that maybe he's one to keep, um, but I wouldn't certainly wouldn't be looking to bring him in. Um, I think for the free for the free positions, I mean, You've got Kane, you've got Jesus, and I think those two are probably going to be the players that are going to be populating the majority of teams uh, to a certain extent. Um, in, in terms of kind of the, sh- the the key underlying factors, if you like, of of strikers at the moment, it it kind of shows what a disgrace the position really is if we're looking at kind of Kane, Jesus, maybe or Bamiang as as our top three, because b- beneath that and around that, there's not really much there. I mean, you've got. At the top of the uh, shots on target is, is Solomon Rondon with 11. Um, obviously, they look like they've, they've kind of done better under Darren Moore. But at the end of the day, you're looking at double game week strikers, aren't you? At the top man there is Vardy. Vardy's had eight shots on target in the last six. And he is looking like you know one who is fairly motivated, for, probably because of the World Cup coming up, and uh, could do a job for people at 8.9. Um, other people kind of factoring here. You've got to factor in Big Rom. Uh, Big Rom's... Uh, He's a different player this year. Last season, around this time, he was second only to Aguero for shots taken. This year, he's uh, you know, nowhere near the top 10 in terms of attempts over the last six games. He's only had eight. But what's notable about that is that of those eight uh, chances he's had, six have been on target. So he's got 70, 75% accuracy, uh, Big Rom. The issue is, of course, that he's not particularly explosive and neither is Vardy. So I think we are looking at uh, Jesus and we are looking at... Um, we are looking at Mr. Kane. And I think that the third guy has to probably be uh, Aubameyang, doesn't he? I mean, in terms of the consistency, we spoke about him earlier. And in terms of the goal conversion ratio, I mean, it's still above 90%. He, he gets a goal in every game. And I think so far we've seen that he does have it in him to score that late brace. I and mean, it was Lacazette this week, but Burnley, Leicester and Huddersfield, those last three, it looks like a, a very sound decision in 37 to be kind of bringing him in and just just kind of expecting him to play those kind of last couple of games. And you mentioned IU earlier, Alex, uh, Jordan IU, that is. And I think that he is probably the go-to third striker. Uh, Bournemouth and Southampton, are those two in the double game week in 37 are the two games that I'd be picking out for the, the, the less good teams almost have representation from. Surely we can't be looking at you know, Andy Carroll for Leicester and Man United, for example. Um, so I, th- I think that that's kind of the way it is. I mean, Jose Perez with a uh, honourable mention with Watford and Tottenham, of course. And uh, my man, Charlie Austin, who may well stay for Everton and Swansea. Um, but I think it is are you there? I mean, what do you think on these guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I think in an ideal world, the three strikers you mentioned, Aubameyang, Jesus and Kane would be the uh, the ones we'd all want. But then, of course, that's a massive amount of budget gone there. So I, I think it's, uh, you, you've got to, you've just got to make your decisions. I think a lot will depend on what you've got at the minute. Uh, as we've already alluded to, you know, transfers are pretty, pretty, uh, pretty, you know, we've only got three left now, so we've got to be a bit wary on what we what we do with them. So if you've got any of those those three strikers, I'd probably just hold them for the run-in now. Um, if, you, if you're on wildcard this week, you could look at fitting all three in, but then you're going to lose Salah or someone like that in, in order to even get remotely close to something balanced. So I, I, I've personally, I went... Um, Kane, Jesus, and and Ayu. Um, I do, as I said before, I'm slightly worried about Vardy. His stats suggest that he could do quite well, and his fixtures are good. Uh, Aubameyang again looks great, but then how how's uh, Wenger going to set up for this this run in? Is he going to try his or, or play his Europa League team as, a, as in a warm up? So therefore, does 
does that mean that Aubameyang gets reduced minutes in one game? I, I don't know. But for me, it was a case of avoiding based on that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fine with, Aub- with Aubameyang. Like, uh, it could go either way. I mean, I'm looking at, it's basically, you know, that's my theory of, of a bang theory, isn't it? And having those kind of all the key assets who could smash it. I mean, I think that having those three players, like no one, I don't think many people are going to be able to fit in Aubameyang, Jesus and Kane. So I'm thinking I may go that way and have that those three as a differential in, in of itself, owning those three. But having the Man United game next is really useful. It's like a nice gauge. We've got a week where it's not imperative to have him in and, you know, we're able to kind of see ahead of 37 whether he's going to be worth it, whether he's going to be worth investing in. Um, but, you know, it's almost the case that, you know, Lighting a fuse may result in a bang, and maybe having those three strikers may lead to something which is a, you know, something that other people won't be able to replicate. But it does mean I'm going to have to have, to have a Hunderhan in instead of Mares. Uh, in terms of what you were saying about having to make compromises elsewhere, Alex. So uh, moving on to the next question, it's the free hit face off. Uh, FPL Stag uh, pipes up and asks us uh, free hit thirty one. He was on the free hits in thirty one versus free hits in thirty five. Who won? Do we think? It was quite an interesting question because I, I know neither of you free hitted um, as far as I know in either of those game weeks, right? Um, so yeah. I, I guess maybe let's see, let's see what your perceptions are maybe from the outside. I mean, you probably have no stats prepared, which is absolutely fine. Like, what do you guys, who do you guys think on kind of first, uh, a very top level one out of those two kind of competing camps? Uh, Alex, let's go first with you. I don't think you can really look. It's It's too hard to sort of, comment in isolation because the issue you've got is if you if you're free hitting in one then you've wild carded or bench boost or triple captain potentially somewhere else and and I think when that actually then filters out at the end of the season and you can see all your other chips and and how you play you might have a bit of a better idea um but I mean I know people that free hitted way back at the start of the season and got 60 points up on their on the team that they would have had so surely then you look back and go okay so they they had 60 points in the bank so when they got to these these lesser game weeks, all right, they they probably didn't score as well. But it's quite hard to then balance out. I think you've just got to look at your own team and go, right, I used it here. It didn't work or it did work. Learn the lessons and move on for next week. So, I mean, I had a, a terrible free hit chip where, like I said, I was I was 30 points down on my main team in a, in a double game week. Um, would I do it differently going back? Probably not. I was just very unlucky with the players I picked. Um but I think overall, so the, the next week I've, I've wildcarded and I've done, you know, I'm, I'm 20 points up on my previous team. So it's it's a little bit hard to tell. Tom, what do you think? So, yeah, I mean, specifically going on what Stag was asking about 31 and 35. I mean, obviously 31, we saw the uh, the rather unbelievable Mo Salah bag 29 points. So I think, you know, if you're actually looking at what impact the free hit chip specifically has had over over those two game weeks, I think free hitting in 31 because of Salah's, you know, heroics is actually going to have had, unless, of course, you are bringing Salah in. I assume by 31, most people would have had Salah anyway and certainly be capturing him there. So I think if you're looking at the actual impact of the chip in hindsight, and obviously that's it's a, it's a useless way to look at it, but I think those free hitting in 35 could have potentially had more impact simply because if you had Salah and you captained him, whether that was on your free hit or not in 31, then you know those were points that everyone was getting so i feel the free hit chip wouldn't in terms of free hitting in 31 wouldn't have given you a huge advantage on your on your competitors as such so i think personally i'd say those who, who free hit in 35 probably got a bit of a bit of a better deal but like alex was just saying saying so correctly there it's you know 
you've just got to got to learn from whether it was a it was a good decision a bad decision and just just move forward from it really yeah, exactly. I mean, there is obviously the element of captain hindsight here, and there's obviously, you know, it's the view from the afternoon that whatever's happened has already happened, and, you know, there's always the luck that feeds into it. What kind of uh, does leap out at me is, as you've correctly identified, Mo Salah. Oh, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because in 31, I think that Mo Salah pushed the average up uh, to, to a very large extent, to the extent, in fact, where Nick got 87 points that game week and got a red arrow. So I think that having the free hit chip there might have helped him a little bit, but the average was so high that the gains were a bit more incremental, uh, whereas in 35, I mean, Nick's come away with a 79 there. The average is 30, and he's just seen himself absolutely fly after that result. He's, he's gone up 14K places in the top 20K as well, which, which is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I'd scored, what, 54 uh, but the average was a lot lower because there were less players who were doing well. And obviously there's a context of the game week 34 double game week that a lot of people were, were aiming for. So 35 for me seemed a very good time to free hit. And if I'm sitting here with 70 points now, I'm going to be saying that's a massive success. I think 35 probably on balance was perhaps the best way to do it. But as Alex rightly said right at the beginning, it does depend a lot on your plan and what you were doing. There, was, you know, there was a prescribed route, 32 wildcards, 34 double game week, play your bench boost, 35 free hit, 37 triple captain, you know, bench boost, triple captain, could be the other way around if you, or whatever, if you didn't have triple captain. Um, but a lot of people take it, take an alternative path and done very well. For example, Stag, um, free hit and 31 did very well. So a lot of it is just based on kind of the relative success of, of how the chip impacted your team. For me, I'm a little bit unhappy about the score I got, but I still think I'd do it again in 35. So I think that that was probably just about uh, the right time to do it. Okay, uh, let's move on to the end then. So, um, captain choices and changes for this week. Um, I'll go first. Um, I've actually done my minus four already. Um, a little bit, a, a little bit based off the fact that I had a bad game week to some extent, but also a little bit driven by the price rises. Um, I brought Jesus and Sterling in um, for Sanchez, who's now guaranteed a goal. So you're welcome, all Sanchez owners and Murray. I brought them in because they were both going to rise already my kind of my leeway for the 37 team that I won was already kind of getting a bit small it, it was still kind of it's still kind of 0.4 but I think I've got to make all the space I can just to try to make some sort of you know some sort of uh, some sort of flexibility in that final team and uh, just the case of um, it's just a case of who's going to miss the penalty this week I suppose uh, what about you, Alex? Uh, what are you doing this week? And uh, I guess you're kind of shaping towards your bench boost towards the end, aren't you? I mean, my, my triple captain's on Kane. I think everyone probably knows that now. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the, the key thing for me is making sure I've got um, um, all players that are going to play next week and, and, and aiming for a decent bench boost. So my, my transfer was already written in from my wildcard because I, I put Lacazette in for Kane and I'll, I'll be bringing Kane in this week. Um Beyond that, I'll probably just sit tight. Probably no no hits because obviously coming off a wild card, you should be able to 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 manage the first week without a hit at least. And then we'll see how we go. Um, Fernandez did come up injured, but I think the latest uh, is that he he should be okay. So I'll, I'll probably just be sitting with sticking with Kane coming in. Captain, I mean, geez, Salah, two goals, two assists tonight. Uh, it, it's uh, if we get here from Anfield Express, he's starting. There's no way I'm not captaining him. There's just yeah, crazy yeah. not to. I mean, and, it, and, it, and it's going to be very interesting because obviously Kane is head and shoulders and um, ahead in a lot of uh, a lot of captains' polls. Um, so I'll, I'll definitely be owning Kane purely as a coverage point of view. But I, I just 
what how can you look beyond Salah right now with with the form he's on so yeah that's me what about you Tom what are your transfers and captain yeah so in terms of captaincy I, I completely agree with you Alex <laughs> you can't look past Mo Salah really I think he's been in fine form in the league just picked up PFA players player of the year and he's 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 absolutely causing havoc tonight at Anfield against Roma uh, so he is he's dead certain uh, to be my captain uh, in terms of transfers I've already made them I brought in um, Alexander Arnold uh, for Fernandez, who we were just speaking about there he came up as injured I sort of just thought you know what Liverpool at home to Stoke who just look in absolute disarray I, I think I'm going to double up so no I think my game week success in in 36 will be very much dependent on Salah captaincy and then uh, Van Dijk and Alexander-Arnold, who I'm now doubling up on it in in defence. But yeah, Salah captain and Alexander-Arnold in for Fernandes. Oh, interesting. Uh, maybe hold on to Fernandes for the first seven double game week. Not, not, uh, who knows? Um, yeah, I, I should probably have said as well that I'm between Salah and Kane. I think you know, everyone probably is going to captain Salah now, especially after all of that. So maybe some mileage in Kane, hoping he explodes. I don't know, but I think probably you can't look past Salah and you can't look past how terrible Stoke are in terms of defensive capabilities. That could be a cricket score there and it could be, you know, in 50 minutes, Salah could score three or four. Um, so I think I might have to just go for the shield pick. Yeah, like, and I think that's, that's that's the point I was going to make. I mean, it's possibly shield versus sword, but I mean, again, Kane leading all the the. the the polls suggest which is which is shield and which is sword this week it's it's very hard i think i think depending on where you are in the in in the world what your your mini leagues depends on on what you're going to do but i would say owning both salah and kane from a captain's point of view this week uh will, will be important i know a lot sold salah on wildcard the week before last so that might be uh, an interesting dynamic especially if we learn that salah is rested then they those people might suddenly come to the fore as having the advantage yeah, no, definitely interesting. And as always, all eyes on the Anfield Express uh, before the Saturday early kickoff. Of course. Okay. There's a theme to every pod. Last week it was Gorillas, so well done to FPL Awesome who got that. Okay, thanks guys. Uh, just to say who we are. We are Who Got The Assist. Uh, you can find us online at whogotthisist.com and find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. Um, been joined today uh, by Alex. Thanks very much for coming on, mate. No worries, and uh, congratulations again, Nick, on on your little uh, on Mosul. I mean, uh, on your new baby. <laughs> and we've also been joined today uh, by Tom from Ninety Mile. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Well, thanks for having me, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. Cool. And if you still want to join our league, we're going to keep it open. Just we might as well. And um, hopefully, you know, the top. Uh, however many you're in front of Jamal one of the top 25 in the world isn't going to join because that might be a bit unfair but our league code is 1538-17403 we'll be back next week um, definitely me and almost definitely an early return for Nick he's uh, he's uh, chomping at the bit to come back on and talk about FPL and uh, yeah we might have a few kind of crying babies in the background who knows well one crying baby in the background hopefully Nick won't be crying uh, after this week okay uh, thanks very much guys um, and we hope this assisted you bye it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.